What are we afraid of? We're part of Team Jesus. This is the Terry and Jesse show where Jesus Christ is Lord. The Blessed Virgin Mary is the Queen Mother. We are here to help you love God, save souls, and slay errors. I'm reporting for duty. Terry, what about you, my friend? I'm reporting for duty. I am. I was out yesterday. You're going to hear a little bit about it later in the show. And I like to say, I'm too inspired to be tired, Jess. I'm too protected to be dejected. And I'm too renewed to be subdued. So I'm back in the saddle, brother. <laughs> I thought you might like that new one. I love it. Oh, I hey. learned it from the best. You, Jess. That's right. I, hey, we are blessed by the best, and we want to tell the rest. And Jesse, today's... The uh, show is amazing. I, I just came back from L.A. yesterday, and we're going to be talking about the L.A. Metro crime statistics. Oh, They're absolutely a horror show. So why are we going to be that? Because this is what happens when you leave God out of the equation, in That's my opinion. That's right. Number hey, two. Th- oh, go ahead, Jess. Yeah, yeah, no, go ahead. Uh, tell us what we're going to talk about. Number two, the New York Times. Are you ready, folks? Drum roll. They finally admitted that masks were totally useless <laughs> at this, stopping the spread of COVID. Really? Thanks, man. I appreciate that information. I wish you would have told our Catholic churches yeah. when I was kicked yeah. out of churches for not wearing masks. Yeah, after after a lot of people got bacteria in the face. Exactly. <laughs> and then, of course, what was it like with Bishop Sheen the last couple days of his life? Oh. It's a great article. And you're going to be blown away. I mean, this man has been evangelizing like until the, the la- very last day. You're going to be blown away by what he was doing in his life, re- reconciling marriages, preparing people to come into the church. Are you kidding me? Hey, Jesse, that's the way I want to go with well, my Terry, boots he's, on. He's our inspiration. Let's just be honest. Yeah. You, uh, for uh, you and myself, yep. he's been our inspiration for yep. decades. That's how it works. Yeah. And then, Jess, hey, go ahead, Jess. Now you hit, hit it. A cu- couple of uh, news items. I want to hear it. I got uh, two. Go ahead. Trump's, Trump dominates the CPAC straw poll. Former President that's Donald Trump sure. on Saturday, <laughs> he vowed that he would obliterate the deep state of elected president. He won 60% in the straw poll at the CPAC convention in Washington, D.C., where he was a keynote speaker. Ron DeSantis came in 20%. Everybody else was not even close. The Trump said this, quote, I declared I am your voice. Today I'm, I, I am your warrior. I am your justice. And for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. Also, wow. uh, Fauci has worked against the lab leak theory. <laughs> the GOP leadership in the House Select Subcommittee on uh, their, their subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic revealed over the weekend that they had uncovered email evidence suggesting Dr. Anthony Fauci prompted the drafting of an influential paper meant to disprove the COVID-19 lab leak theory. The theory that the virus most likely originated in and was leaked from a lab is now the official position of health agencies. But for several years, officials dismissed dismissed it, and the big tech companies censored it as disinformation. Now they're saying, mm, this is our official position. <laughs> also, bishops defend TLM communities. Yep. In the wake of new restrictions on the traditional Latin mass, Bishop Thomas Paprocki of Diocese of Springfield, Illinois, yep. and Archbishop Joseph Nauman of the Archdiocese of Kansas City, Kansas, both defended the traditional Latin mass communities within their diocese during interviews with EWTN's Raymond Arroyo last week. Also, Get it. reproductive justice at Notre Dame. In the wake <laughs> of the Supreme Court decision overturning Roe versus Wade, several education departments at the University of Notre Dame are hosting an event series dedicated to reproductive justice. The series has attracted criticism for its decidedly pro-abortion slant and speakers 
uh, an abortion doula with a tattoo of, a, of abortion equipment on her body is one of the speakers at its next event at this Catholic uh, university. Unbelievable. And finally, Dr. Fauci could go to jail after House Republicans expose this massive cover-up. I hope they do it. And Jesse, in one more quick note, Tennessee Governor Bill Lee, now he's my kind of guy. He says that he's signing a law for sure, right? He's signing it. That's banning, ready? Puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, sex changes, surgeries for minors, prohibiting underage attendance at drag events, and also uh, uh, other sexualized performances. Jesse, he's closing them down and with this uh, with this bill. And I hope other governors look at Tennessee and say, wow, these guys got it right. So that's good news. Another good news story, Jess. Yeah. Panama, the country of Panama. Oh, yeah, those guys are ignorant, right? No, their Supreme Court rejected legalization of same-sex marriage and says it's not a human right. They got it right. Come on, America, get with the program. All right. I mean, Jess, that's just good news. Now let's get some soul food, brother, unless you got more. No, 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 you got it. Okay, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying the scribes of the Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example. For they preach but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to carry, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they will not lift a finger to move them. All their works are performed to be seen. They widen their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love places of honor at banquets, seats of honor in synagogues, greetings in marketplaces, and the salutation rabbi. And as for you, do not be called rabbi. You have but one teacher, and you are all brothers." Call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in, in heaven. Do not be called master. You have but one master, uh, the Christ. The greatest among you must be, must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let me put my apologetics hat on because oh, a lot yeah. of Protestants... Uh, think that you Catholics call your priest fathers. You can't do that. <laughs> well, let me, here's the Catholic's response. I think the Bible is our best friend on this topic. In Ephesians chapter six, verse two and four, the Bible says, honor your father and your mother. Okay. Our Lord Jesus Christ in Luke 16, 24 calls Abraham our father. St. Paul refers to Abraham as father Abraham seven times in Romans chapter four. John the apostle uses the word of fathers to talk about the leaders of the early church in 1 John chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. St. Stephen, the first martyr, in Acts chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, calls the elders of Jerusalem fathers. You also have St. Paul calling himself a father to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 to 15. I can quote to you many more. What's the point that I'm making? The context is emphasizing the sin of pride amongst the, uh, the, the scribes and the Pharisees because they love to be called teacher and father or rabbi, but their pride pointed men to themselves rather than to God the Father from whom they received their true fatherhood as spiritual fathers because outside of God the Father, there are no fathers at all in, in, the, in the paternal sense or in the spiritual sense. So you have to remember that Jesus was living in a time 
where some religious leaders and even some political leaders were worshipped as gods. Yeah, Caesar, for example, he demanded divine worship of his subjects. He was considered to be the father and the multitudes in the Roman Empire and, 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 and the, the citizens were seen as his children who were required to worship him. So the context of, of this, the real question is, God, the Father, is our one true, true Father, and all paternity, whether spiritual paternity or biological paternity, all paternity comes from God the Father. We participate in God's unique fatherhood, and, uh, and this is the way we represent it to our families or priests represent it to our church. Uh, the, point of the, fact, the point of the fact is, Jesus is telling the, the, uh, the Jewish people, the Pharisees and scribes, they do not take the place of God the Father. Whatever fatherhood they have, it is derived from God the Father, but it doesn't supplant God the Father. Well said. Jesse, before we get to Bishop Sheen, I want to make a comment. Uh, Bishop O'Connell had been laid to rest last week. There were 5,000 people at his funeral. Uh, lots of uh, prelates were there. And unfortunately, Archbishop Gomez said twice during the homily that we have a saint of, uh, you know, we don't need to pray for him. We could pray to him because he's in heaven. Oh. And I, I just thought, Archbishop Gomez, with all due respect, I'm so sorry, oh. but that's not what the church teaches. I mean, uh, you know, we know the Bible says nothing but perfect and pure will enter the kingdom of heaven. And he wasn't perfect and pure. No, come on. <laughs> so the most charitable thing all 5,000 people could have done was said a prayer, have a mass offered. So here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio, we're going to have a Gregorian set of masses. That's 30 masses offered for him. Yeah, old school, because that's charity. Can you imagine if he was in purgatory? If he is, I, you know, yeah. I can't judge. God can. Yeah, right, right. But can you imagine what they stole from him by having 5,000 people at his funeral and not saying prayers and for his soul? Unbelievable. It's tragic, Jesse. I had to say it. All right, real yeah. quick, Fulton Sheen, let's bring him in. <laughs> Full sheen ahead. This is a story, Jesse, I gave at a talk on the weekend about Austria. They were converted. They were converted. The communists took over uh, after World War II, and there was a Franciscan priest, uh, Father Pavelvic. He founded the Holy Rosary Crusade of Reparation. So he got all the people to pray, 10% of the entire country, to pray rosaries every day for world peace with the intention of kicking out the communists out of Russia. And after eight years of spreading the word throughout the crusade in Austria, they, with rosary processions, they had a half a million people in the streets praying every day. They left in October of 1955, and the communists didn't give a reason why they left. So Fulton Sheen told us that story years ago, and I thought I'd share that with us. Wow. Fulton hey. Sheen, pray, pray for us. St. Felicity Perpetual. Yeah, there's great saints. Today, saints, pray for us. Wow. Hey, when we come back, yeah, we're going to talk about crime statistics here in Southern California. It's a horror show, but I want to show you the reason for it. And we're going to tell you much more when we come yeah. back on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. See, when I think about how life is so short and eternity is forever, and none of us gets out alive, I want to make a quick point. When you die, when I die, 
the worst thing I want to have people do is, oh, that Jesse Romero, he was a great guy. He doesn't need any masses offered. Forget it. I'd tell him, I'd just, don't, don't do that. Don't cheat Jesse Romero. Don't cheat, cheat Terry Barber. Have masses offered for us when we die. Am I right, Jess? Amen. Jesus Christ said, nobody is, nobody is good except my Father in heaven. Exactly. So, so Jesus would have to contradict what uh, yeah. Archbishop uh, Gomez just said. Yeah, I had to say it because it's charity for the bishop. Absolutely. Hey, the LA... L.A. Metro crime statistics are an absolute Rocky Horror Show. That's for sure. It's a public safety nightmare as the mega-billion-dollar transit system experiences rising deaths and assaults on buses and trains. So, on February 23rd, Metro Chief Safety Officer Gina Osborne trotted out frightening statistics after frightening statistic. There's a nine-page report, and go ahead and see for yourself. Yep. The horror show starts with what transpired in 2022, when there were 162 reports of assault against metro operators, that is, bus and train drivers. Yep. That's one nearly every other day. And imagine the glooming permeating each operator locker room with drivers likely worried if each day is the one when they become a grisly statistic and get the beat down. Yep. Then there are the part one crimes, which are considered the most serious offense, offenses and include assault and robbery. There were 24% higher. They were 24% higher across the transit system in 2022 compared with 2021. Metro's data sheet reveals 1,435 such incidents wow. in 2022. Then there's a transit system suddenly morphing into something resembling a rolling morgue. According to Osborne, there have been 21 deaths, deaths systems wide this year. Yep. It's already the same number of deaths tabulated in the, enti- in the entirety of 2022. In 2021, there were 25 fatality systems wide. The Metro Report City's data from the L.A. County Coroner Medical Examiner. And when you look back at 2023, at, at 2023 figures, they get even worse. There were five deaths on the system in 2019 and seven the previous year. Things are at the point that Metro labeled January de-escalation month. <laughs> like don't beat us up month. Yeah, don't really. rob us month. And the safety report now explains how the agency sought to give all workers an organized way of making decisions about how employees will act in the face of conflict. That's fine in concept, but bus operators and maintenance staff should be able to focus on driving and fixing stuff, not how to navigate a tense situation with law-breaking and potential high-riders. If staff need widespread de-escalation training, something is seriously going wrong with the workplace. One driver of the disconcerting situation Mm -hmm. is what's slamming society at large. Drug and alcohol. You nailed it. It's it. When, when Mayor Karen Bass, a Metro board member, asked what illicit substances are at play, Osborne remarked, I would say fentanyl is going to be big out there. The Metro report attributed 16 of the deaths in 2021 and 10 last year to alcohol or drug or drugs. The cause of four of the 2022 deaths is currently unknown. These statistics made made the news last week, but were effectively drawn out by the torrential rains and power outages that hit L.A. hard. That's understandable, but also striking given the implications on the regional 
transportation system. An average of 777,000 people rode metro buses and trains each weekday in January, according to agency statistics. The level was about 1.2 million daily boardings before the pandemic. Metro board member and city council rep Paul Krikorian seemed to have trouble picking his job off the floor. He said this, quote, I don't think we should beat around the bush on this. He stated, this is an existential threat to the metro system. He's close quote. The safety worries are nothing new. Talk to anyone who rides Metro even occasionally and you'll hear reports of of frequent unsavory behavior from violent assaults to someone exposing themselves to the stench of urine in stations to copious drug use. Go ahead, Terry. Well, let me just mention something, Jesse, that this article doesn't show. Remember, I live in this state. I've seen this, you know, happening. And just remember, people can go and steal up to $1,000 worth of product out of a grocery store or Walmart and just get a little ticket. So there's no penalty for bad behavior. So when, when our politicians don't yeah. realize that, they say, how do we stop this? But Jesse, I'm going to say one more thing. Even others, and this is not just Los Angeles, Portland, Oregon. Yeah. Walmart's leaving Portland right now. Why? Wow. Because of the thefts. They, they can't make a profit in, in Portland because too many people are stealing goods out of their stores. See, this is what we call a society that's gone rampant. It's, it's chaos. And, and let's be honest. While some board members seem shocked by the scope of the incidents, Metro top brass uh, knew about the spiraling situation, but they're still getting their big checks, you know? Yeah. The agency in October released the findings of a survey given to more than 12,000 writers. It shows that among the top five concerns, are you ready? Safety, 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 and crime. Yeah. yeah. Female writers in particular want... To be safe, <clears throat> they want—they don't want to have sexual harassment, or racial or ethnic harassment. That helps explain why female bus ridership has gone down so much. They don't want—they don't want to take a risk yeah. on the railroad uh, rail rep network. Uh, ridership among women dropped to forty-six percent again to forty-four percent. Jesse, I take my grandson to the metro station where the trains are coming in, and by law. Because they're having so many problems, your sheriff's department is at every stop. There's a wow. there's a black and white there, and I talked to the cop. I said, "What's that about?" He says, "Well, we just have a presence because they're having so much crime on these trains that we feel like if we're if we're there at each stop, we can stop some of the crime." Well, he's got a good point, but see, this is what it's out of control. Continue, Jess. Yeah, I'm going to go right where it says, like everything else in Los Angeles, the situation is complicated mm-hmm. by the homelessness crisis. Oh, yeah. And a sizable portion of estimated of the estimated 70,000 unhoused people in yep. the county that's... are substance abusers. Yeah. yeah, that's a fact. A number of them seek refuge on the bus and rail system. And this is and this is part of what prompted Metro to hire hundreds of unarmed safety ambassadors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The hope is that these workers can help riders with directions and questions, but also serve as an an alternative to gun-carrying cops and sheriff deputies. Yeah, we'll just have a dialogue before you murder somebody. (laughs) Go ahead. When it comes to initial interactions with some unhoused individuals. Terry, I'm going to talk about some of the reasons why on my own. Tell me, Jess. I've lived here for most of your life. Yeah. Here's why this is happening. Uh, uh, Number one is uh, you have... Soros appointed district attorneys oh, all over the country, gosh. Los Angeles being one of oh. them. 
And these guys are soft on crime right. and the criminals know it. You nailed it. Uh, you also have, let's just be honest, the homeless people, Terry, most of them are drug addicts. They're a walking time bomb. They're wa- they're walking zombies. Most of these guys are dangerous. A drug addict needs money for their drugs. So the homeless are turning desperately into walking time bombs. Another reason why there's a spike in crime in, in a lot of the blue cities, in Los Angeles specifically because of this article, yeah. is you got the whole defund the police movement. That's right. It, that's what causes a spike in crime. The criminals say, hey, hey. Uh, the, the the city managers hate the cops, and, and if I steal less than a thousand dollars, I'm just going to get a ticket. Exactly. Like, man, this is the place to live if you want to be a criminal. Los Angeles, Terry. I remember back in 2021, I read an article where the L- Los Angeles Police Department they put out an alert to the people. It was called a patrol, a Patriot Alert. They said, "Do not visit La- LAPD." Says, "Do not visit right. Los Angeles due to out of control crime. That's right. We can't protect you." So LAPD's on record. They acknowledge stage. it. We can't protect you guys. Don't come over here. Uh, and and here's also another fact Tell that me. nobody likes to talk about. What is that? You know where most of the most of the crime happens? Oh yeah. In in cities governed by Democrats for decades. That's just a fact. That's Jesse. where most of this crime is happening. That's true. Hey, Jess, one more thing that blows me away. I have a little ministry for the homeless. I usually keep a, a McDonald's card with me in my car to feed somebody if they're really in need of uh, getting from some food. I only do it for the women. I, the guys, I, I don't. I'm just being, that's just my opinion. And then uh, I'll take all my recyclables from my kids, from us, and uh, I give the recyclables to the homeless. And just yesterday, I went to give my recyclables it was two days ago, and um, there were two guys sitting down, kicking back by the grocery store. And I went and said, "Hey, would you like some uh, recyclables?" And they said, "Ah, oh, no, we don't, we, we don't want them." And I was like, "Wow, okay, dude. If you, okay. you, you know, you must not need anything then." Yeah. And then the girl that was a little ways away, she says, "I'll take them." And uh, then I realized, Jesse, the reason he didn't want to take them. Is because he got it was work. It was check. He got his check the first of the oh, month. Okay. You get it? It was the time of the month. The dude said, "I got money for today. I don't need to worry about tomorrow. I'm not gonna have to work." See, this is the mentality that's out there in L.A. Maybe not in your city, but in my city, I see it all the time. And you know what I tell them, Jess? I actually tell them. I said, "I'm not into entitlements. What I am for people to go to work. All those recyclables." They're not sorted. I don't sort them for a reason, Jesse. I can put and sort them in cans, but you know what I do? I mix them all up for them to go to work and sort them themselves. Why? Because that's what they need. Okay, continue. Yeah, uh, yeah, Jerry, because work brings dignity. Exactly. That's what I yeah. tell them. And, and, and here's the, the big problem. Tell and me, Pope Jeff. Benedict told us years ago. The problem is, mm. is that we just bought wholesale as Americans yeah. as a result of the media, education, Hollywood. We bought into moral relativism, Terry. Yeah, that's it. And uh, there's so, no right or wrong. There's no right or wrong. So you can't judge these homeless. You can't judge gang members. You can't judge crooks. I profile every day, yeah. Jesse. I survive <laughs> yeah, well, you have to stay alive. And so what, what's happening, the United States, our major cities, Terry, yeah. are going the way of the Roman Empire. Oh, exactly. Well said. Yeah. yeah. The, the Roman Empire, it fell from within. The, the five things that, that oh. I've read from Edward Gibbons, British this uh, is historian. Awesome point. He said, the number one Roman Empire fell, rampant divorce. Yep. Number two, we got that. higher taxes for welfare. Check. Number three, mad craze for sexual pleasure. Check. 
<laughs> I mean, number, number four, funding external wars when there was internal problems in Rome. Far worse. Yeah. 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 Here we are in, in Ukraine, Terry, yep. dropping billions. In, and we have problems in the U.S. Yep. And number five, uh, the fifth reason why Rome uh, collapsed, collapsed was the decay of religion. Yep. Yeah, paganism became rampant, and we had the decay of Jack, religion. All those are right. We got Jesse. Yeah, We're there. Terry. We're there, brother. Yeah. So I, I mean, and and the the decline of a nation happens also when there's this this inordinate emphasis on sports and entertainment. Oh, big the distraction, yeah, the, of course. The, yeah, the new bread and circus, and so you have most people that are fixated with what Kim Kardashian said or or that program, uh, <laughs> you know, American Idol. Yeah. People are so fascinated by the rich and famous that we've lost our moral compass. Up next, New York Times finally admits masks were totally useless in stopping the spread of COVID. Really? Wow, I didn't know that. And much more here on the Terry and Jesse Show. Stay with me. Hello, this is Terry. We're two evangelical Catholics that uh, we give you, uh, we, we speak the truth in charity. Terry, we want to talk now about absolutely another, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a topic that was front and center for two and a half years. Yeah, you got that right. But the New York Times finally admits that masks were totally useless at stopping the spread of COVID. Me and Terry have been saying that for two and a half years. We're not doctors. We just have <laughs> common we're just, sense, man. We're just kings of common sense. The, uh, the article says an opinion piece was published in the New York Times on Tuesday called Mask, The Mask Mandates Did Nothing. Nothing. Will any lesson be learned? Giving yet another example of how even the left is waking up to the nonsense of COVID restrictions. Finally, the piece written by Brett Stevens quoted Oxford epidemiologist Tom Jefferson, who said there is just no evidence that they the masks make any difference, full stop, close quote. Amazing, isn't it? It only took three years for the mainstream media to admit what was known by conspiracy theorists, us, in March 2020. This sort of statement would have gotten you banned from YouTube until about 15 minutes ago, but apparently it's now permitted at the New York Times. It did get us banned from YouTube, Jesse. (laughs) Because we were pointing that out, and they said, you can't. That's disinformation. It's amazing what was true has now become false, and what's false is true in the world we live in. Continue. Now, the critic might retort that it is not only non-medical masks or simply cloth masks that do nothing. However, Jefferson said that even if one were to don an N95 mask, that it makes no difference. None of it. Yep. Asked about why mass mandates were enforced despite the not obvious evidence showing they do absolutely nothing for the general population. He said that the policies were based on non-randomized, flawed observational studies. Close Unbelievable. Quote. Again, those of us who are not predisposed to trusting everything the powers that be declare knew this a long time ago. It did not take a genius to look at the size of a virus particle and compare that to the size of the pores in even a medical mask, to realize that using a mask to stop a respiratory virus was like holding up a chain link fence as a shield to stop yourself from getting wet. Yep. <laughs> Masks have long been used in medical settings when properly fitted in order to stop the transmission of bacterial debris, 
which makes perfect sense when you consider how risky it could be for spittle and other fluids to make their way into an open wound. But the fact has always been that if you can breathe through something, then you can pass along what you breathe. Let me just jump in, Jesse. Here in California, I've been wanting to say this. Our governor wasted $1 billion in California tax money to do what? Buy masks. What a waste. Continue, please. Yeah, and uh, I, I have to have the article here. You know, it's, it's from Judicial Watch. Yes. Who did he buy the mask from? China. Yeah, it says Judicial Watch <laughs> uncovers documents behind $1 billion mask yep. deal I... between California Governor Newsom and Chinese Communist Party. Exactly. This was in 2020. And support that Judicial Watch. I do. They're good yeah. people. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we move moving right along. Mm-hmm. It says uh, where it says no pro- no protection at all. Uh, no, I, we fed. Yeah. Masks have long been used in medical settings when properly fitted in order to stop the transmission of bacterial debris. Okay, right. next. Uh, yeah. Add to the fact that the people using all sorts of materials for their masks. I remember a woman in a drive-through using the top of a winter toque, and what we had was billions of people walking around with loose handkerchiefs over their mouths. As if they were COVID bulletproof vests. And Jesse, let's be honest. Why? You know, we can read this article, but also, let's be honest. It was fear. We gave fear. I heard people tell me, I'll never take my mask off as long as I live. Uh, uh, I'm scared. Yes, I saw people saying that. Now, unsettled science. Okay. I can't be certain if any of these experts ever said things like, science is settled about the efficacy of masks, but they definitely acted as if it was. The yeah. fact that people were dragged off planes, trains, out of supermarkets. I might add, he doesn't say it here, in churches. Uh, for yes. for donating, yes. the muzzle definitely made it seem like the science was settled. It was settled that they had a hard time participating in society if you didn't act like it was settled. It was settled in the Vatican. They they uh, they wouldn't let you in. Pope Francis didn't allow uh, Archbishop uh, uh Well, it was one of Pope Francis' underlings that works for him. Didn't allow Ray, uh, Cardinal Raymond Burke into the Vatican because he didn't have a mask in the jab. This is true. Yep. So, we, the the New York Times published an interactive piece in October 2020 called "Masks Work." Really, we'll show you how. <laughs> The piece stated that the public health debate on masks is settled and wearing a mask is more important than ever. Right. Right. I wonder if the Times will retract their disinformation. So. They they're should. Not do it. No, they're not, yeah. but they should. The piece even went on to show interactive images of how the fibers of a cotton mask could protect you. Excuse me while I laugh out loud. The only science that was settled was a pro-mask political science that the Times mistook for real medical science. However, as part of the Times about face, Stevens wrote... Quote, no study or study of or study of studies is ever perfect. Science is never absolutely settled, close quote. So that was our excuse. He continued by saying that even though there was no evidence that any effect was noticeable on a societal scale, it may be that for various individuals, wearing a mask helped them. He said, quote, perhaps people people may have good personal reasons to wear masks. <laughs> And they may have the discipline to wear them consistently. Their choices are their own clothes. Yeah, if you want to wear it, put shoot. But you know yeah, what, Jesse? They me, fear. They tell. They just scare the heck out of people. They, exactly. But and people still have that diaper on their face today. In many right. places I go to. All the time out here. Now, Jesse, settled science contradicts the inductive 
um, reasoning inherent in the scientific method. So basically, they didn't use any science on this. They just said, oh, this is how we see it. And that's and then they then they tried to push it off as science is settled. This was all about controlling, fearing yes. people. We've been talking about that for yeah. two years, and now it comes out for sure. Yeah. The article says, I couldn't agree more. People have reasons why they choose to do things, and those reasons are their own. Now, the reason, like you said, Terry, is fear. Oh, yeah. They scared people into putting on the diaper. It would have been nice if this sort of tolerant mentality existed in the mainstream media while they were throwing pastors in jail for not enforcing COVID restrictions. There's no justice in this world. <laughs> just got, you just got to know that. Yep. I must, however, give a hat tip to Mr. Stevens as he wrote, <clears throat> those skeptics who are fur- furiously mocked as cranks and occasionally censored as misinformers for opposing mandates were right. The mainstream experts and pundits who supported mandates were wrong. Close quote. If I had a loony for every time I was mocked as a crank or a conspiracy theorist, I would disagree with Stevens on one point, however, as it was as it was not that us cranky misinformers were occasionally censored. No, we were censored always. He continued, the mainstream experts and pundits who supported mandates were wrong. That's it. Stevens noted that in a better world, those who implemented all the needless and damaging mandates would be humble enough to acknowledge their errors. But as he said, don't count on it. He ended by stating the people who had the courage to speak up about masks deserve to be listened to, not treated with contempt. They may they may not ever get the apology they deserve, but vindication ought to be enough. I think I can agree with Stevens on that last point. I don't expect vindication in a public sense, but there is satisfaction in knowing that you didn't follow the crowd or give in to pressure. All right. Here's what's happening, Jesse. We had an earlier article about the Metro and all the problems they have. Today, it says right on the metro buses and the trains, if you don't have a mask on, you can't get on the train. But you can do all kinds of horrible things. I don't want to, it's a family show. You can do all kinds of horrible things. You can stay on the train. But if you don't have a mask, get off. You see the hypocrisy here, brother? Yeah, Terry. A while back ago, in one of the shows that we did back in 2021, we we showed an article put out by LifeSide News it had 47 medical doctors, 47 I remember, studies. I got it. Yeah, remember? Yeah, 47 yeah. studies that confirm yep. the ineffectiveness of masks for COVID. Yep. And, uh, and, and there was also 32 other medical doctor studies that confirmed the negative health effect on COVID from, from these masks, excuse me. And uh, I remember the article said that young children being forced to wear masks was of particular concern in these medical studies. You have mask, uh, face bacteria. Terry, this thing was a disaster. It was. And, it, it and it's was. blowing back on their face. And you know what else, Jesse? We, we talked about this in previous shows, too. The effect it had on our children, okay? Negatively, not just the health, but the social aspects of covering your face, communicating with one another. We've already realized all this has been detrimental to the kids. And this is why I refused who have my grandchildren when I were with me to wear any mask. And if, if they didn't want it, well, then they didn't take my money. I, I just, we have to tell these people they're nuts. Okay. And now finally it's coming out, but I guarantee you, Jesse, a good percentage of the people here in California, just go anywhere in church at the workplace. They're wearing masks about 40, 50% of the people still. And I'm glad that Archbishop Gomez said months ago, eight months ago, that it's not mandatory to wear a mask in church, but man, I'll tell you what, 
If he didn't do that, I guarantee you, it would be difficult to get into a Catholic church in our diocese because people are scared. They should be scared about life and this. What they should be scared about is mortal sin. That's what yeah. we should be afraid of. Terry, on on the side of the box of these of these cloth masks, the yeah. blue ones that you know that yeah. we bought from China, right? You can read in the. In fact, I just went on the internet. And yeah. I'm looking at at the side of a box. I'm going to read what yeah, it read, says. Gotta, it says this. this is amazing. It says, and this is the caption on the box <laughs> of standard face masks. Yeah. This is the one that most people were wearing around the world. It says, warning, this product is an ear loop mask. This product is not a respirator and will not provide any protection against COVID-19, coronavirus, (laughs) or other viruses or contaminants, close quote. (laughs) It's made of soft material, general purpose use only, latex free. Uh, and uh, and it loops around the ear. Yeah. So right on the right on the warning label, Terry, it's telling you as people are buying these by the truckload, it says will not provide any protection against COVID nineteen. Terry, they played us for fools. You've got it. You got it. And I got to mention one of our listeners uh, who's listening works for uh, the Metro, and he said you guys are spot on. Keep it up. He said I see this firsthand every day at work. Wow, that's encouraging. Hey, Jess, when we come back, what do we got, brother? We got... Uh, yeah, we're talking about the Fulton Sheen. That's last, right, the last, last days. days. Oh, you're going to learn some interesting things. I learned some interesting things oh, yeah. in this article. Yeah. yeah, It's very inspirational for oh. us to learn about what Sheen would do all the way to his day of his death. Stay with us. Yes. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Yes, before we begin, I just want to thank our listeners. I mean, people are texting me. They say, man, you guys have been inspirational. Well, you know what? Any good we do comes from God. We thank him for it. But we want this show to be like you're with us in our living room. You're at the Romero house. You're at the Barber house. And we're having this conversation about how to you know, spread the Catholic faith, how to defend life, how to how to get the world back in on, on target to with Jesus Christ. So I just want to yeah. thank you for letting us come into your home. All Absolutely, right. Terry. We, we couldn't do this without no. our family out there. Yeah. Because they are family. Absolutely. Venerable Fulton Sheen's last day. Yeah. Here's <laughs> what, one of the things that he said, Terry, before he passed away. He yeah. said, I want to see the Lord. I've spent hours before him in the Blessed years. Sacrament. Now I want to see him face to face. <laughs> yeah, what a great line. Yeah. And there's a beautiful picture of him. Yeah. 1979, St. Agnes Roman Catholic Church, yep. as he appears before his parishioners on Good Friday. So God lavished many gifts upon Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen, Amen. including a brilliant mind second to none, yep. a remarkable memory, a magnificent voice, and enviable oratorical skills. Yeah, amen. He transcended the parish and the diocese. He was, as Thomas Reeves stated in the title of his masterful biography, quote, America's Bishop. Yep. Close quote. Archbishop Sheen made it easy for Catholics to be openly proud of their faith and others to want to imitate him. There's an Italian phrase that comes to mind when you think about Sheen. It goes like this, quote, nature made him and then broke the mold. Close quote. (laughs) Yeah. Would there ever be another Bishop Sheen? Well, the Jesuit magazine America called him, rightfully so, the greatest evangelist in the history of the United States. Amen. Another journalist remarked, quote, no Catholic bishop has burst upon the world 
with such power as Sheen wields since long before the Protestant Reformation. True. Despite his gifts and immense popularity, Archbishop Sheen always deflected praise. He would say, quote, I'm only a porter who opens the door. <laughs> God love him. It is the Lord who walks in and does the carpentry and the masonry and the rebuilding on the inside, close quote. Fulton Sheen dismissed publicity, stating that it was, quote, as, an, as artificial as rouge on the cheek. Doing the job is the important thing, even if you're a street cleaner. Terry, you want to pick it up? Yeah, he said that at the Second Vatican Council, that those guys cleaning the streets of Rome could be serving God better than us bishops if we don't do our duty. Sheen frequently spoke of his death. A man, read his autobiography, Treasure in Clay. It's great. Much to the consternation of this friend. No, don't talk about it like that. We love you. No, it's not that I do not love life, he said. I do. He would reassure them. It is just that I want to see the Lord. He said, I've spent hours before the blessed sacrament, 60 years of daily holy hours. I've spoken to him in prayer and about him to everyone who would listen. And now I want to see him face to face. That's so beautiful. It is beautiful. Just in the chapel, and I was at the funeral, as you know, but yeah. at the chapel was a painting of Christ on the cross done by Dr. Simon Sisler, a cardiologist whom Bishop Sheen credits with saving his life. In the painting, there is a concentration of Christ's eyes that show both pity and love. For Archbishop Sheen, this is so true all through his life, the crucifix is not just something that happened, but is something that continues to happen by everyone who commits a sin. You know, a mass, basically. Just continue on. The second year after his open-heart surgery, Bishop Sheen was confined to his bed for many months. Check this out, folks. Due to overwork. Oh, this is amazing. During that time, he instructed four converts <laughs> and validated two marriages. Yep. As he quipped, quote, this horizontal apostolate on my back, basically, may sometimes be just as effective as the vertical. Well said. Overwork was a story of his life. His typical workday was 19 hours. In 1946, he was writing between 150 and 200 letters a day. Oh, In yes. the early 1950s, his television show was generating between 15,000 and 25,000 letters per day. He answered as many as his working schedule allowed. His demanding schedule, however, was his way of responding in gratitude for the gifts God bestowed on him. Mm. But the greatest gift of all he condenses in his autobiography, quote, may be his summons to the cross, yes. where I found his continuing disclosure, close quote. On the morning of December 9th, a young couple was with Archbishop Sheen at Mass and listened as he practiced part of a Christmas homily he was to deliver at Midnight Mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral. That same day, he wrote a letter to a certain Ann O'Connor thanking her for a blanket she sent. Amazing. He said this, quote, My heart must be elastic. <laughs> I love this. Otherwise, it would break in gratitude for you, for your friendship and gifts during the year. What a compliment. Close quote. That loving, elastic heart finally reached its breaking point at 7.15 that evening. Fulton was found dead in his chapel before the blessed sacrament. What a way to die Amen. and what a place to die. Amen. What a, um, it was the day after the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I'm guessing where he's at. Oh yeah. 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 And, and Jesse, the eulogy. in front of the blessed sacrament. Exactly. Uh, this was something I witnessed yeah. at the funeral. The eulogy that Archbishop Edward uh, Megan said, 
A voice is silent in the midst of the church in our land, the like of which will not be heard again in our day. That's for sure. Dear friend, Archbishop Sheen, we are all better because we were in your midst and we were we and you were our friend. Well, you you heard that, Terry. You were there. I was there. I witnessed that funeral. And just a quick note, Jesse. Thousands of people were at St. Patrick's Cathedral, and you know it was standing room only. I was so mad, and I did put a medal in the casket, as you know, a four-way medal. And supposedly one day I'm going to get that back. But you know what? Even if I don't, I just know uh, that. When I went to Fulton Sheen's funeral and I talked to so many people who he brought meaning and purpose of life to, I'll never, ever forget. That's 43 years ago. And in his autobiography, Treasure in Clay, people get that. It's put out by Ignatius Press, carries it. It's, uh, it's a, he speaks of the three surprises that awaited him in heaven. The first is that he will see people there whom he did not expect to see. The second, he will not see people he expected to see. And the third... The biggest surprise, even relying on God's mercy, is that he will find himself there. You see that attitude? Archbishop Sheen was being honest. Modest. He didn't didn't canonize himself. No, exactly. Continue, Jess. Yeah. Uh, Archbishop... uh, Yeah, that loving elastic heart reaching his breaking... No, in his eulogy... No, uh, Archbishop Sheen's voice, however, has not fallen silent for a modest sum. One can now download 300 of his audios. Yep. Technology has come to the rescue. In his 366-page autobiography, Treasure in Clay, the good Archbishop speaks of three surprises that await him in heaven. And those are the ones that you just mentioned. Yep, yep, yep. Was Archbishop Sheen being honest, modest, humorous, or all three? At any rate, here it is. Pope Benedict <laughs> XVI found Fulton Sheen's life worthy of bestowing on him the title Venerable. And guess what? And the Venerable make their home paradise. Amen. And Jesse, just you don't know this, but uh, when Bishop Joseph Strickland comes to the Spiritual Warfare Conference and he comes to the chapel here at, at Virgin Most Powerful Radio, we have a picture behind me of Fulton Sheen that we're hanging in the vestibule of the church. He's going to bless that, and we're going to enact that as uh, in honor of Fulton Sheen. And what you just said about Pope Benedict XVI, there will be a pope soon, Jesse, that's going to recognize the beautiful teachings, and the holy life of Fulton Sheen. It's not right now, because right now we have a church that's corrupt. I'm sorry, did I say that, Jess? (laughs) I I mean it, because they come up with ideas. We can't beatify Fulton Sheen. Yeah, he'll make us look sick. Yeah, you know why? Because you are sick. We need to get Bishop Sheen beatified. It's already been approved. It's just that the people in the church right now are in a position where they don't buy into what Fulton Sheen talks about it's called the perennial teachings of the church. All right, I said it. Yeah, well, you know what? If you die, do a holy hour every day for 60 years, yeah. and you die in front of the Blessed Sacrament, I think God has told <laughs> us think? where he's at. Also, something else about Fulton Sheen. Tell me. He had a Ph.D. in Thomistic philosophy. Oh, that was incredible. Yeah. L- a Louvain. Ph.D. From, from Louvain University. Yeah. He was regarded in the 20th century as one of the premier Thomistic scholars of his time. Yeah. Also, something else people may not know. Sheen predicted Hitler's death. Yep, that's incredible. Uh, yeah, I just, I'm looking at an article right here. Yeah. Uh, he predicted his death. He talked about it, and shortly thereafter, Hitler committed suicide. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Also, something else people don't know is that Sheen predicted Stalin's death. Exactly. Okay? In the early here's 50s, what he, yeah. yeah, here's what he said. Uh, from Sheen's lips came this pronouncement. He said this, quote, Stalin must, must one day 
meet his judgment, close quote. Guess what? A week after he said that, Stalin suffered a stroke and was dead within a week. So he... so, I mean, yeah, this guy's not a saint. Are you kidding me? This guy's a prophet. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why he's not, a, they, they haven't canonized him. Because a common subject of his talks was the evils of communism. That's right. The, and the evils of modernism and the evils of sexual perversion. And he also talked about the evils inside the church in the 1970s. And if you remember, I, I, I quoted his 1948 document where he said that uh, Satan will set up a counter church, will be the ape of the church. It will have all the notes and characteristics of the church, but in reverse, emptied of divine content. The false prophet will have a religion without a cross. Sound familiar? A religion without a world to come. A religion, you know, we're religion that's into, you know, uh, uh, let's just say um, saving wa- bottles, plastic bottles, okay? Yeah, right. A religion to destroy religions. There will be a counterfeit church. Christ's church will be one, and the false prophet will create the other. The false church will be worldly, ecumenical, and global. It will be a loose federation of churches and religions. This sounds like what we're trying to do right now. Some type of global association, a world parliament of churches. It will be emptied of all divine content. It will be the mystical body of the Antichrist. The mystical body of Earth today will have its Judas Iscariot. Guess what Sheen says where he's going to come from? He says... Well, Satan will recruit him from our bishops. Wow, I'm done, Jess. That, that's prophetic. <clears throat> I, I feel like My I mouth just got dropped. punched. Punch, yeah, yeah that, that, that's, that's what the youngsters call a mic drop moment. <laughs> mic drop, mic yeah. drop. Yeah. What do you say after that? Nothing to Bull sheen ahead. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're Here done. at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. It's right behind my back right now, brother. Hey, Jess, I'm having too much fun here. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. It is fun to introduce people to the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah. What's my action item? Get the life of Christ. Get get the autobiography by Fulton Sheen. That's going to give you the inspiration to get through the times we're living in. Brother Jess, what state should we be living in? Uh, one, there's only one state to live in. It's called the state of sanctifying grace. Don't live in the state of mortal sin. Mm-hmm. Run from that state. Flee. And uh, remember, we serve the virgin most powerful. She's a 12-star general. Pray your rosary every day. Read your Bible every day. And unite your prayers to St. Michael the Archangel so he can deliver powerful blows to the kingdom of darkness and tear down the gates of hell, which are modernism, Marxism, and masonry. Terry? Well said. And don't forget Our Lady of Fatima. He said souls are going to hell because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices. Please say those prayers. And have a mass offered for our bishop who was just murdered two weeks ago. That would be the most charitable thing you can do. Our Christian here. Thank you. May God richly bless you and your family.